0: Philippians chapter 4 when I begin putting this message together I originally figured I would do Philippians 4 from 1 to 20 in one message and then as I was putting it together I could hear the Lord in my spirit telling me who are you kidding? That's not going to, that's that's just too much there. So, and there was something specific that the Lord drew my heart to. Since the Sunday after Easter, we've been taking what I'm going to call a spiritual joy ride through Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi. We've talked about the joy we experience when we come together and being together, that we can encourage one another of like faith. We talked about maintaining our joy through difficult challenges and situations as this letter is written by Paul while he's in prison. We talked about the joy of, that we experience when we come together and have the same mind that was in Jesus and that he had in being humble. We talked about the joy so far of, that we experience, something that this world doesn't seem to understand, but there is joy in obedience there is a joy in obeying the commands of God that can only be known by obeying his word and his ways. Then we talked about the joy of truly knowing him, knowing him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. And then last week, we talked about the joy we experience when we embrace our entire beings in looking and pressing forward to those things which are ahead and putting those things which are uh, which are the past behind us it is such a blessing to know that we can tap into his joy for our lives in the most trying situations that we face but there is an equal blessing that we can know and experience this joy every day I don't need to have a traumatic situation happen in my life to experience the un parallel joy of god and we can have this every day which is the title of my message everyday joy philippians chapter 4 i'm going to begin reading in verse number 4 rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice let your gentleness be known to all men the lord is at hand be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when as long as Things are not going bad. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord for the life that you have, or it doesn't say rejoice in life, or rejoice in the job that you have, although that's a good thing to be thankful. It doesn't say rejoice in your family, although we're grateful for the families that God has given us. It doesn't say rejoice in good times, although there's nothing wrong with seeking good times and trying the best you can to avoid bad times. But Paul tells us not about rejoicing in the things or even in the blessings that we have in life, but to rejoice in the Lord. Like the old song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. As a Christian, we are never alone. As a Christian, we have the promise that he will guide our steps. And as a Christian, we have a confidence in our eternal destination. This world may not know where it's going, but because of the confidence in Jesus and his blood, I know where I'm going in this life and in the life to come. Amen. Amen. Being connected to Jesus all by itself is a reason to rejoice. The world around us can be extremely unpredictable. Aren't you glad that the Jesus that we serve is always the same? The world around us can be unfair, but Jesus is always the same. The world around us can be confusing, as it is also confused. But Jesus is always the same. He always loves you, he always cares for you, and he always wants that closer relationship with you. Because of Jesus, we always have a reason to rejoice. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be rainy days. We will experience trials and sorrows. But in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sadness, in the midst of our grief, we can curl up in the arms of our precious and loving Savior and rejoice because he is always there to walk with us. And to drive the point home, he says, again I will say, rejoice. I've noticed something about people. Most people I know don't like being reminded about things. They don't like being reminded about things they've forgotten, which although I would think they would want to be reminded about something they have forgotten. They don't like being reminded about the current poor choices that are resembling past poor choices they've made. They don't like being reminded that the mess they're in might have have been avoided if they had just listened to the sound counsel perhaps that you provided. Now, some of this is situational. We need to learn in the spirit when we're honestly reminding somebody of something that was a benefit to them, or we're just filling our own fleshly desire to say, I told you so. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the goodness of Jesus, when it comes to the joy of the Lord, please always feel free to remind me to rejoice in the Lord. And remind me again, rejoice. You see, worldly happiness is not the same as godly happiness. Worldly happiness is connected to situations and circumstances. Worldly happiness is connected usually to getting our own way in a certain situation. Worldly happiness is dependent on what's going on around us. But godly happiness is dependent on solely on who died for you. Godly happiness is dependent on who washed away your sins. Godly happiness is dependent on who still today, no matter what this world tries to say, who still today sits on the throne. Amen. Godly happiness is called joy. Worldly happiness provides people with an emotional roller coaster. And most of you know how I feel personally about roller coasters. But joy, based on who Jesus is, provides a stable everyday celebration of life that is not linked to what's going on. Again, that doesn't mean we're not going to hurt, it doesn't mean we're not going to be sad. It doesn't mean we won't experience seasons of pain or grief. But even in those difficult times of life, our solid rock gives his people a reason to have joy. Because, And that's important because it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It is the joy of the Lord that will get us through those seasons of pain, those seasons of hurt, those seasons of grief. This path to joy Involved being something that might seem odd. In verse 4 he says, right after saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he says, it's linked to being gentle. Hmm. And not just being gentle in who you are, but being gentle in such a way that you let everybody else around you know that you are gentle. Because he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. But pastor, our world has made it clear, if you're going to make it, you need to be rough and tough. Our world tells you to hide your feelings, especially ones that would make you appear weak. Our world tells you to be anything and everything but gentle. I think our world could use a few more Christians who understood the life-changing power of being gentle. I don't need to defend my life to anybody. I don't need to defend my life to this world. I don't need to defend my moral choices to the ungodly. I don't need to defend the choices I make to anyone, which means when someone doesn't agree with me, I have the power that Jesus gives me to respond gently, in gentleness. So much of our public discourse today is anything but gentle. And I don't know about you, But of all the words that have ever come into my head, as I spend any amount of time looking at social media, gentle is not the word that comes up. And why do we need to be gentle? Because Paul says, the Lord is at hand, or basically the Lord is near. Do we truly realize that the Lord is near? He is closer than a brother. He is closer than a friend. Do we understand that he walks with us each and every day? Do we understand his abiding presence is a calm in any storm? But since his presence is there, I don't need to be uptight with other people because my Lord is near. I don't need to be upset or stressed when life hands me all kinds of things because my Lord is near. God was trying to get this across to the people of Israel from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 15, verse number 1, when God is speaking to then Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Deuteronomy 31, chapter 31, verse 8, and the Lord... He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua chapter 1, as he's telling Joshua about this new responsibility he has, now that Moses has died, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, we have a reason and a justification for the peace that we can have in Jesus. And in Hebrews 13 chapter five, uh, 13 verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The and the Lord's closeness to me gives me peace. The Lord's closeness to me gives me confidence. The Lord's closeness to me gives me clarity of mind. And the Lord's closeness to me gives me the power to be gentle with others. But that's in looking at the Lord as near in one context. I've heard people, although I'm not sure where they go with it, but they look at the Lord as near as an end time type of context. Okay, I'll go there. I've heard many Christians, because of the various things that have gone on in our world in the past 13, 14 months, say that the signs are everywhere and that the Lord's return is near. They declare that the end is soon, that the Lord's return is is imminent. And I'm not disagreeing with anyone on this. But if we truly believed the Lord's return was soon, it just seems to me that we'd behave differently. It seems to me by looking at the scriptures, we'd be, as we saw his return coming more closely, we'd be more loving, we'd be more caring, we'd be more kind. And looking at this passage in Philippians, we'd be more gentle. Because I believe his return could be soon, I will be gentle to all. Believing that his return is soon, making you more agitated and angry at people, I don't find that in the Bible. Because I believe his return is soon. I will rejoice. Because like the old church hymn, what a day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. So this everyday joy, how do we get there? And this is where Paul goes off the rails. He was doing really good up until this point. Verse number six. Be anxious For nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Or some translations might say, don't worry about anything. You see, most people, even Christians, don't ever get to the but in everything part. They stop at the be anxious for nothing. They can't get past the first four words of verse 6. Yet this phrase is not isolated. It is connected with why you shouldn't worry. Why we shouldn't be caught up in this unending cycle of anxiety. Because there is something better to do with my concerns than to just hold them inside and think about them over and over again. Because there is something more effective as a way of dealing with the difficulties of life, and it's called prayer. It's called prayer. It's called coming into his presence. If I am worried, it is time to pray. If I am experiencing anxiety, it is time to pray. It is time to leave my situation and enter my father's throne room and get in touch with him. And not just pray, because most people would have gotten on board with that, but then Paul continues to ruin it. <laughs> pray with thanksgiving. Oh, yes. You know, Paul, I was going to be with you on this one. But I've got a major situation that's causing me major anxiety. So I'm going to come into God's presence and Pray. With thanksgiving, always remembering that you and I always have a reason to be thankful. Always. If for no other reason, the privilege to come into his presence. This isn't about being thankful for the present situation that you're in. This isn't about being thankful for the things that are happening around you. This isn't about being thankful for the way people are treating you. It's about being thankful that when something in life happens that raises this anxiety, that raises this actually rather normal human reaction to worry, that we can do something superhuman. We can go to God in prayer. I look at it this way. If I'm feeling the anxiety... And I'm feeling the worry rise. That's a call from God. Time to pray. It's time to pray. I need to pray. We can always be thankful for what, Pastor? Well, how about that Jesus is Lord? I can always be thankful that the Lord of this, of this universe is not any earthly power. Jesus is Lord. I can always be thankful that no matter what I go through and no matter what I experience, he sticks closer than anyone. And we can always be thankful that he can be trusted. So Paul says, be be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and all your problems will go away. No, <laughs> that's not what it says. If that's what it said, and that's what it promised, and that's what it delivered, there would need, be no need for evangelism. Everybody would just run to the throne. Let your request be known to God, and all will turn out just as you wanted it to. It doesn't say that either. Let your request be made known to God and his peace, which makes no sense. Now, think about that with me. I mean, just really think about what Paul is saying. You're in a place of anxiety. You're in a place of worry. And you really, what's on your mind? Let's be honest. Jesus, make this go away. I don't want the thing that's causing me the anxiety to continue I don't want that to be a part of what we're doing. So we go to, and that's a normal prayer. That's a normal response. So we go to God in prayer, and we say, Lord, I need your help here. I need you to move here. I need deliverance here. And he gives us peace. Now, why is that peace so important? Well, why would I need the peace If the problem had gone away, he's basically saying, come to God in prayer with your anxieties. And what you're going to get first is a peace while the problem remains. Hmm. But it'll make no sense. Anyone ever question you? Why are you happy? Anyone ever say, how can you be peaceful in this situation? They look at your life and they say, your life is falling apart. Well, oh, I didn't look at it that way, but okay, thank you for reminding me. How can you have peace? How can you find joy? How can you be stable? How can you smile? Because I have Jesus, and I have a place to take this life that is falling apart. Let your request be known to God and his peace, which, makes, which will make no sense to anyone else and let's be honest, at times it probably won't even make sense to you and me, will become, and he makes it a defense. Basically, Paul is saying that this peace will become a sentry or soldiers to guard two places, your heart and your mind, to guard your emotional well-being and your mental well-being. Aren't you glad that God cares about both? God cares about what we feel. God cares about the fact that we say so often, I just can't stop thinking about this. Then it's time to pray. I just can't get this off my mind. Then it's time to pray. I just can't seem to get these feelings out of me. Church, then it's time to pray because there is a promise of a peace that will guard your heart and guard your mind and keep us in the place where we need to be in Jesus. All of us face circumstances where verse 6 feels insensitive. We all come to crossroads where we're convinced, or we've convinced ourselves, that worrying ourselves sick or frantic is somehow good and somehow healthy. You know, there's another one of these situations when I look at the world and they make comments, I just kind of shake my head and go... We're obviously from different planets. Because for me, the peace of Jesus is a whole lot more healthy than the anxiety of the world. And that's what we need. That's what we can. That's what we're given as a promise to walk in. If when the storms rise, we take that as a signal, time to pray. When I get that call that I didn't expect, it's time to pray when I get that diagnosis from a doctor that I was praying for a different one, it's time to pray. When we get called into a boss's office and get information we weren't expecting, it's time to pray. When our kids, our kids, it's time to pray. And I'm intentionally not looking at my son right now. When it seems like everything is going wrong, It's time to pray. When we've done things to correct situations, and it seems the enemy has found a new way to make the same things go wrong over and over again, and the frustration and the almost resignation that this is how my life's going to be. It's never going to be. It's time to pray, to allow that peace Which passes all understanding. And in that peace. I can express his joy. And share it with others. Gently. Gently. Almost every image we see in the New Testament. With the distinct difference. Of Jesus turning out the money changers. Almost every interaction we have of him. Documented gives the, the impression of him being gentle, even when he's telling somebody the truth. Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, forgive me for being redundant, but I'm going to say it again. Church, rejoice. Your God is near. He is present. He is not far away. No matter what It looks like it's happening. No matter what problem that you thought was going to be solved now and it's gotten postponed, no matter what delays come up in any situation, our God is near. And it's a reason to rejoice. I'm, I'm someone I don't ever want to be insensitive to anyone, whether I agree with you or not on life choices. Because God has dealt with me in a lot of situations and although he's always dealt with me directly, he's always dealt with me gently. I've got a God who is gentle. We serve a Savior who is gentle and loving and caring. He pulls no punches. We think about him with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. He wasn't necessarily a spewing anger at the crowd he just told them the truth let one of you that's without sin go ahead and throw a stone and they walked away then he looks at her he said where are your accusers she says they're gone he says and I'm not going to accuse you either so rise he gave her the power to do what that last song we sang to rise He didn't end it there he said oh by the way don't do this again don't do this again. Be sin no more. Don't don't do the don't make me have to come back here. <laughs> but those were the words from a loving, gentle Savior. I've one, I've never been one that has much experience in expressing anger. And it just seems to me that so many people today are fine-tuning their ability to express anger. Now, some of it might be because of situations that have gone on for a long time. But ultimately, when the joy of the Lord becomes a part of who you are, there is going to be an aspect of you that is gentle because the Lord is near. But this person is still not treating me right, but this Savior is near. But this person is getting away with something, but this Savior is is near. But that situation hasn't been corrected, but my Savior is near. And I can rejoice. When we think about the situation that Jesus faced in the trial before his crucifixion, I don't know about you, but hearing some of the things they were saying to him, I might have had a whole lot to say. I might have unloaded on them he stayed quiet through just about all of it and then he died for you and me but he also he also died for them the ones who were accusing him the ones who were shouting at him the ones who were spitting on him the ones who were nailing him to a cross he died for them, in his first words, were, father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Is there any, demonstra- any greater demonstration of the power of being gentle than being able to forgive someone in the midst of their transgression against you? Rejoice in the Lord always. We serve an amazing God. We serve an amazing Savior, and we celebrate that whole scene by sharing in the Lord's Supper. The Bible says, as we approach His table, we should examine ourselves. So let's take a moment before we engage in Holy Communion to examine yourself. Let's pray.